0: Welcome to the King's Cost dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Heavenly Father God, we thank you today. I thank you Lord for this time before you. Thank you Lord God for the opportunity to share this word that you have put in my heart Lord. And Father, whether it is half-baked, whether it is fully cooked, Lord, I just want your spirit to minister that to your children. You know where you want to reach out this morning, Lord. Those who may be listening online, those who may be in our congregation, Lord, Lord, speak to each and every one of us. And we pray that the Word will accomplish the purpose for which it is spoken this morning. And we pray, Father, for the authority of the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to move and to let this seed be sown today in Jesus' name. Father God, I humble myself before you. I decree that you will increase right now, that you will touch also the hearts of your children in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, um, for the sake of the title today, um, it's interesting that it is about the church, it is about the church. And the title is The Church That Mirrors Christ. The Church That Mirrors Christ. We'll be reading from the book of Philippians. Um, I don't always mind which version people read. It's the same word of God. But let's actually uh, pick up from Philippians 2. And let's go through. We will read Philippians 2, 1 to 18. Right, so Philippians 2 says... Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being light-minded, having the same love being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing... Can you say nothing? Nothing. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, and coming In the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and has given him the name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, those in heaven and those on earth, and those on the, the earth. And that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but also much more now in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things... "...without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as light in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I may have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your feet. I'm glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Amen. Amen. It is a long text. Um, I believe we are familiar with this scripture. Just give me a second, please. We are certainly familiar with this scripture. Many of us can quote this scripture. you know parts of the scripture today. Um, it's interesting that we had Vision Sunday. How many of you were at the Vision Sunday last week? Okay, so we had Vision Sunday by Pastor Phil. He articulated the vision for the church, and I was um, downstairs with my brother Lim. We were at the door, and we listened to this vision. Not that we were not aware of the content of the vision, but something that really struck us is that many a times Pastor Phil called for excellence to have to come through the door. Us as a church having to push for excellence, which is making probably a statement by default, which is, are we then excellent? Or is it that we need to continue to press on toward that excellence? And if yes, how? What may it look like? Many of the people have come, okay, yes, another type of administrative thing. The pastor comes, says the vision, yes, we are in March, blah, blah, blah. Many people sometimes complain, but other people felt that is a very powerful vision because we have received the vision collectively as a church amen and when the vision is spoken then obviously it cannot be followed by the pastor only so we as a body of believers, need to adhere to that vision and we can only do that with the starting point which is to understand the vision so looking at that, I thought, okay, I knew I was preaching today. But I see it's interesting when Pastor Phil, and I mentioned to I say he's already saying what I want to say or what I want to talk about next week. I haven't got any more materials because he's more eloquent, because he's more on fire, because it's Pastor Phil and he's listened to. However, I was in chastised gently saying, well, God will help. And I'm like, yes, God will help. So let's pick from the visions a couple of things that I mentioned. It's seven items. It's not because there are seven days of the week, but hey, Jesus needs to be at the center of everything we do. And Pastor Phil said, it's all about Jesus. How many of us remember that? Now, that is effectively a very strong statement. He started his message. And I will encourage you again, please go back. Those are available online. You can download, you can listen to, you can be edified, you can understand what the church, what God has shown to the church. You see, it's all about Christ Jesus. Now, we know as a family of believers that Jesus says he is the one who will build this church. He only will build this church. He uses us, the vessels, and we need to be worthy vessels, but Christ is the one building his church. Second point, or, you know, for my sins, that's what I've actually picked up as key points I wanted to bring today. He says Jesus never came to conform to the culture. Jesus is not a conformist. He said, I didn't come for the culture. I came to rip off what you guys understand. I came to change things. It's not the old. Everything has gone when I'm coming. New things are coming in. But he says that, indeed, it is to address that culture. Back in his days, Jesus was already addressing the historical, the geographical, the sociological issues of his society. And today, the church needs to do the same. Is the church doing it enough? That's not for me to say. There are many people who are seasoned men of God and women of God here who are even PhDs in those areas who can actually come and elaborate more. I believe that Jesus did it. He addressed the culture. He was never a conformist. And maybe that's one of the reasons, among others, why it was not actually the flavor of the month. More expression of Jesus are needed now, have we asked Pastor Phil at the end of the service, when you say that, Pastor Phil, what do you mean? What do you mean? Is it for the church? Is it in the church? Or is it outside these four walls? So, expression of Jesus where? I will look at it first and foremost. I will say, probably in my life, it starts with me. Before me being able to actually partake of whatever we do as a church, to express Jesus, to reflect Jesus, to mirror Jesus, it probably starts with me. But the reality is that the church as a whole, the body of believers, need to express Christ more. And we'll come to that. He said, be imitators of Christ Jesus. Amen, we know that. But do we do it? Be enablers and not blockers of what Jesus wants to do. And for that, I always send you back to the message about two weeks ago when he was talking, and I think we studied that for the live group around the men trying to get, with the paralytic man trying to get him to see Jesus and to be touched by Jesus. And Pastor Phil was there standing and say, these people before trying the roof, would probably have tried the main door first and could not access Jesus. Why? Because other people would have been blocking them. And he said, it's likely that these people were Christians, blocking the way of other people in need of Jesus. So sometimes we can be blockers, not always because we want, but because sometimes we are not watchful enough. Okay? Okay. Do you know how many times people want to see Pastor Phil at the end of the service and we are blocking, we are preventing, we are talking to him and other people are queuing to meet him. It's the reality. I do that sometimes. And I realize that I can't, people need him. I need to make way. Whatever I want to discuss with Pastor Phil can wait. I have WhatsApp, I have his phone number, I know his house, I, can't, I know the church, I can come and I speak to him. But other people need access to the pastor. I shouldn't be blocking that way. They need ministration, but equally they need to be sensitive. That is the same man that only has two hours or an hour and a half before the next service and he hasn't had lunch. Yeah? The reality of ministry. He says we need to continue preaching Jesus. Now put on the street, because that's what he mentioned. The reality is that Jesus needs to be preached on the streets, it needs to be preached in our families, it needs to be preached in our network. It needs to be preached everywhere, through the various channels that we do have. And then he say, it all starts here. And he say, we need to be viral. I remember the word viral because it's the thematic today. It needs, we need to be viral for Jesus. And I'm like, come on, viral? And I'm like, okay, yes, I understand what he means. Spreading, you know, that fire for Jesus. Not keeping it, not containing it, but actually being on fire ourselves so that it can spread Around and this is part of the vision we've received. And I thought this is a nice starting point, because the church King's Church today is a church, is a growing church. Yes, probably small. There are other churches of ten thousand people, but big inside, amen. King's Church is a church, a body of believers. I believe we are all on fire for God, amen. Mm, that's timid. But I believe we are. <laughs> I believe we are. So should I say again? I believe King's Church, we are all on fire for God. Amen. Amen. I think that side is a bit louder. That guy is obstructing with his voice and we can't see, but this side is a bit louder. So we are on fire for God. Amen. And that is what God wants us to do, to remain on fire and let not the fire dwindle. Now, I come here today and when God put the word in me, I was like, "Mm, I'm challenged because I don't want to, I don't want to downplay what God is doing. But if God is saying his church, he is the one building it. His church, he is the one that wants the body of believers to be aligned so that he can use them, then it means that the church needs to walk on that race, walk on that path, and better itself through the enablement of the Holy Spirit, by the way. Anything that we want to do for Christ, if it is not led by God, and if it is not strengthened by God, supported by God, the Bible says he builds in vain, he will build without the Lord. It is including church. It is including ministry. Amen? So what kind of church are we? What kind of church are we in? Sorry. When we look at King's Church, a lot of people have come in, And decided, actually, as Brother Danga said, I don't want it to be, I don't want to be a visitor forever. I want to settle. I see this church as a church where I can grow. This is the right motive. I see this church as a church that can strengthen me, stretch me. I see this church as a place where I can learn to know who Jesus is. Because many people haven't got to know Jesus when they come in. They are searching. They are hurt. They are broken. Make no mistake, the person that sits next to you, you don't know how tight the shoes are. You don't know what they've gone through. You don't know the medical condition. You don't know the financial situation. You don't know the marriage situation. You don't know the children situation. You don't know nothing except that they sit and they clap and they praise. We are the people that God has brought. The Bible says the steps of his children are ordered by him. And for how many people are in this congregation today and how many people are listening online, God led your step to King's Church Cambridge for a purpose. Can we repeat that? It is for a purpose. His purpose. Now, the way we come and congregate, Sundays after Sunday, to listen, to praise, to worship, to pray, to encourage... There is a way of doing that, which pleases God. And there is a way that doesn't please God. That way that doesn't please God is the way that Paul is talking about. If we look contextually at Philippians, he's addressing the church of Philippi because of issues that he's heard about. That there are dissension and disagreement and kingdom and little kingdoms building. And so many strong women, sorry for the women, they have embraced you. thank God for that. But some of the women in Philippi are actually having so much influence and don't like each other. So they are being disruptive. Thank God my sisters in the church are never disruptive. Right. But they are being disruptive. Paul is talking, he's heard about it. And he's concerning greatly, and he has to write it, he has to address it. Women have been helping in the ministry, since she has been helping in the ministry. Why is it that she cannot partake in that ministry again? is because of a disagreement with a sister in Christ. It's not an unbeliever. the same body of Christ. And Paul is extremely concerned, and he's like, "Hmm, it is a church that has been doing well. It is a church that has now got dissension. The Bible always says that, oh, how beautiful, how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Because unity is something that is paramount to the kingdom. It is important in the eyes of God. It's only where there is that unity that the Bible says God can command the blessings. And as much as Pastor Phil has articulated that vision... And I don't want to believe we all believe in that vision or we all embrace it. There is no room in there. Listen to me. There is no room to have disunity At leadership level or operational level or within the congregation, there is no room. Because the Bible says a little as this will love and the hold Though A little dissension, a little disagreement, a little bit of unforgiveness will mess up or prevent everything the Holy Spirit wants to do in our midst. Who wants to be that person? Who wants to be accountable before the throne of grace? I couldn't release revival in Cambridge because of that little dissension. I had this plan for King's Church Cambridge to use it. It was always in my eyes, on my radar. You are the people I directed your footsteps in this church in this location, in 2020, for that to happen. But dissension occurred. Because we could not release really forgiveness, Because we could not be tolerant. Because our selfish interests were better than the God-given agenda. Wake up. This is what Philippi is going through. Because it is such a prominent city... And God wants to use this church, and it cannot be that this church falls apart because of two prominent women not agreeing. So what kind of church are we in? Do we embrace one another, and are we united? Are we a church that worships God in spirit and in truth? Or then, are we sitting, coming to church, and looking first and foremost, Who is that will be leading the worship today? Is Ruth? Oh, actually, there is another Ruth. Oh no, it's not Ruth. And Ruth this time is Caroline. Oh, and then depending on who leads, then we can clap. Oh no, actually, now there is another level two. Oh, what song is it? Battle? Or is it? I've forgotten. Yeah, thank you very much. (laughs) thank you. (laughs) The thing is this we dilute the purpose for coming to church by having this kind of understanding. And the Bible says that my people perish because of this lack of understanding of what matters to me. They get really entangled on the things that they shouldn't be entangled on. They get dragged into the mud when I'm actually expecting them to lift up their hands so I can pull them out. God is mindful of us. The Bible says he is mindful of us daily. If he wasn't mindful of us, there won't be any more mercies. There will not be the blood of Christ. He said, do not trample over the blood of Christ. Do not consider that blood was shed in vain. And now today the church has to be accountable. The church has to respond. Because the pressure are no longer coming from outside of the church only. It comes from within. So if God has to further his agenda from the church, let's sort the within. Yes, we are doing well. But that's not the criteria to cross heaven. The works are never the criteria to cross heaven. And when I feel that I'm standing, Paul says, Beware if you feel that you are strong. Because the fall can very quickly come. Now, it's not just which church are we in. What kind of church member are we? That's not necessarily nice to look into. But that's what the mirror does to you. The mirror is meant to reflect the reality. The quality of that mirror may be debatable, but the very purpose why a mirror is made is that it can give the best possible reflection of whatever is facing it. And we need to look at the mirror of the Word of God to understand where we stand as a church today. Today, To understand where we stand as believers today. Can we go to the slide that is the most colorful on that presentation? For those who are online, I'm sorry because you will not be able to see this, but I spent hours on this slide. (laughs) I think it's probably the most messy presentation you will ever see in your life. I have put colors that are green, red, amber, blue. I didn't do the rainbow. And then I tried to say, you know, the difficulty in trying to do artwork is that you have a message you want to convey. But even Pablo Picasso, I think, struggled to get his message across. And um, it's later when people realized that he wasn't that mad. What he did was actually Art. So I want to believe that as on this trail um, I will become a Pablo Picasso a la Camerunes. Okay, so listen to me. This is a cross at the center and I will try to break it down. <laughs> there are some numbers for those with a bit of analysis. I get confused with my analysis at times, but there's a cross in the middle. So you can see in the background hand of people towards the cross worshiping. That's the church of Jesus. They are worshippers. But then I tried to put on the right-hand side things that are right. And I will capture your imagination, and I did this like primarily for the afternoon service, all right, so that people can be engaged. So you guys, if you disengage, it's okay, only for two minutes. <laughs> but then the thing is this, the church is under scrutiny. And I did a color coding. Sorry if you are colorblind. I'm getting there. We are under scrutiny because God's eye is over the earth to and for daily. He watches over us. He knows what we have even deep down in our hearts. So what kind of church member are we? So there is a CCTV camera. So if I start with the pink, all right? On the wrong side, are we the member who scrutinize? There is a tongue. Are we the member who gossips? And there is a hammer. Are we people who happily judge others? On the right-hand side, what is actually in pink is the lips, and they are closed. Are we people who know how to sort of shut up and not to partake in gossip, and who mind their own business and how tight their shoes are? This is what the pink is. Second one, in yellow, we see a cup. Are we glory hunters? Are we searching for the mark and visibility in the church to be seen by the church and adulated by the church? That's why you've got a mic in there. On the other side, on the right-hand side, are we actually working for the many and supporting the vision and whoever wears the trousers? Number three, question is for what is in white. Are we miserable and negative in everything, bringing toxicity in the church of God? Or on the right-hand side, are we joyful and positive and loving the church of God? Number four. In red. That's the color of Arsenal. When they win. (laughs) Are we finger pointing. And blame shifting. When things happen wrong. Or on the contrary. Are we taking ownership. Being accountable. And supportive. Are we happy. To encourage other people. And putting the thumbs up. Five. It's not meant to make you comfortable. there are still some to run with, so bear with me. All right? As I said, it's a piece of heart. So bear and stick with me. Five: The people with the question mark at the bottom corner. Are we always questioning everything, the vision, the spending of the church, the sermon given, the giftings of people? And are we being suspicious on the pastors, on the elders, on the trustees? On the brothers and sisters in our midst, they may have coronavirus, who knows? And even suspicious of the toddler in our midst. Or, on the other side, are we contributors to the kingdom of God in humility? And looking for any way to enlighten the people around us. Putting our hands to the plow. Never giving up. I can go on. Six. We go to the mask. Are we wearing masks? Are we playing games in our midst? Just to be seen by the pastor. Or on the other side, are we as honest as the day is long? Number seven. Is he always me? Me, me, that's on the top, the orange one. Is it always me, 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 number one on the podium, number one to be seen, number one for everything, as long as my selfish ambitions are being served? Or then, on the other side, are we actually ready to give our hand in support to the church and think about the needs of other people? You can see there there are people who are families, they have specific needs in our midst, There are people who are single parents. They need relationship. They need to be engaged with. They need care. They need prayers. There are people who are single. Maybe they are widows. Maybe they are widows. Maybe they are just not married. They have different needs. And we need to be sensitive to that. There are people who are disabled in our midst. It might not be a physical disability. It can be a mental one. We need to be sensitive to that. There are people who are elderly. What kind of respect do we give our elderly people? Pastor Ralph was there, bless his soul. Carol was there, bless her soul. There are other elders now missed. They have different needs. How do we address them? How do we engage with them? By God's grace, one day I will be an elder. Elderly. And I'd like to be thinking that I could remain in a church because the church engages with me, because the church challenges me, nurtures me, and looks after me. What do we do for our elderly people? How do we speak to them? How do we engage with them? Number eight, with the eyes. Are we opening our eyes to the world, or are we closing our eyes to what the world has to offer with the padlock, number nine, are we unforgiving and closing our hearts and carrying our load with bitterness? That's what is in green on one side and on the other side. Are we allowing for mistakes and unlocking our hearts for forgiveness and peace? It's not really an olive branch, but anyway. Number 10. And I only have two to go after that, and I will close the service. <laughs> ah, you are awake. <laughs> Number 10, which are the people, Is not really well seen, but people running or somebody is crouching there. Are we down and unwilling to run the race? Some people may be like this in church. They have been beaten up so much that it's very, very hard, and they are actually now unwilling to run their race. They need to be lifted up. But are we people who actually are keen to run the race? hear me out. Not just run the race for ourselves. Helping others run their race. What kind of people are we? Do we give a helping hand? Number 11. The goats. And on the other side, the sheep. I think it's self-explanatory in my church. Is not a church where we have gods. Right? The question is more are we yielding, following instruction, and the leadership? Or are we actually, you know, to get a God coming? Unless you've got banana to give to them or leaves to give to them, they will not. What kind of followers are we in the church? Lastly, I've got something which is a ring. Number 12, unless I miss something. That's interesting. I went in the church to look for the spouse the next date. Um, I couldn't find the contrary. Which, the reality is that you can find and that's why it's at the center. But you can find. It's not wrong to find in the church. But the purpose shouldn't be to be in church for the next date. God is now Our bridegroom, and that's where I want to land it. And that's why this is even so important because God cannot be conned. And God knows that as a church we are imperfect. I've never asked you to raise your finger to say what kind of individual you are, on which side of the cross you are, because it's irrelevant. And it is irrelevant for God. So, should it be for me? And it is for the leadership of this church. We want to be a family church. I think of King's Church, since we came in 2010, my wife and I, as a family church. Not a church for family. A family church. In my old church in Southampton, and Shem, I know it, we say, we used to have a song there, you are my brother, you are my sister. So take me by the hand, not take me by the neck. (laughs) Together, we will walk not we will sleep. <laughs> together we will walk until he comes. Come until Jesus comes. Come I will help you walk, you will help me walk. Because I might stumble, you might be stronger. I might be strong, you might stumble, but we will walk together because I will hold you by the end. Until he comes. And that's the very way that Nokanda and I we see this church. There may be people among you. We do not see the church the same way. And I will then invite you, please, to re-examine your heart, Because, you see, if we come, and I think Pastor Phil made it clear last time, it's not a shouting message, but please listen to what I'm saying. Pastor Phil mentioned that if you come to church, and the leaders, we we have this discussion ever so often, if you come to church, King's Church Cambridge, and think, I want to come to be served. I want to come to see how well I'm being served. I want to be actually put on a pedestal. I'm sorry, it's not the place. It's just not the place. And your heart may not understand what it is to be coming in the church. We come to church to serve. But even coming to church to serve, we are on perfect vessels. Now, can I actually jump the gun a little bit? In terms of unperfect vessels, do you know that is the story of the Bible about God using imperfect vessels? I've never been perfect for being standing before you today. Pastor Phil keeps on saying he's not perfect. We don't want to be idolized. And anybody who thinks that they are perfect, please wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> because that's not the mirror of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus Christ died for one reason. He died for his church. He died so that he can take you back to his kingdom and present you spotless. Present you without any wrinkle, without any blemish. If you were fine and excellent and spotless, I'm sorry you don't belong to this world. Maybe not to Christ's kingdom because it's made of people who are damaged goods. So Moses did stutter. God used him. John Mark was rejected by Paul. He was still in ministry, kicked out. Timothy seemed to have something disturbing him. I assume it's an ulcer. He was sick. Jacob, how many lies has Jacob said? To his wife, to his father in law, to God himself. The Bible says God is not more, but he still tried. David had an affair. (laughs) Yep, he had an affair. Abraham was so old and his wife reminded it to him every single day. God used him. David was too young and didn't even know how to hand something like a stick. But God used him in defeating giants. Lazarus could not even breathe. He was dead. When you say dead, dead and real dead. But God used him. Naomi was a widow. God can use widows. Paul was a murderer. He had blood on his hands. So I think the red that I used there would probably be times 100. He had blood on his hands. He persecuted the church. He bearded the Christians. The followers of the same one he called, Lord, 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 Lord. He had blood. God used him. Jonah refused the assignment. We know what happened. Miriam, gossip after gossip after gossip after gossip. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm not advocating for the Miriams in the church. Sorry. I'm talking about the one in the Bible. God used her Thomas stayed with Jesus are you really sure you are the son of God I'm doubting, I'm not sure you know, he doubted you know, you see Jesus, you see the sign you see the wonders nah, it's not good enough for me find some other trick and he doubted Jeremiah seems to have been depressed Elijah was burnt out Thank you. Danga reminded us. We don't want the church to burn out. Please come and join a department. He's been saying that for two months now. I think we need to assess if you speak well. <laughs> we need to see in the books how many people are joining. I know Steve joined. But we need to see that. Mary seems to have been lazy. And Martha complained about Mary being lazy. But hey-ho. Samsung couldn't find a haircut that was like mine. He had long hair and God still used him. No, I like the wine a little bit too much. Uh, God still used him. And Moses seems to be so angry that he strikes stones after stones after stones and get annoyed with God. So he had an anger problem. But God used them all. Look at yourself today. We are all the body of Christ. We are all the church of Jesus. And God wants to use us. But then go back to the words of Philippians. So let's go back to what Philippians is saying. Because ultimately, maybe we got the wrong end of the stick here. Maybe we we shouldn't look into what does not work well with the church. Maybe we should look at where it all started. And it all started with Jesus Christ. It started with Jesus Christ loving the church to bits. The agape love. The love that cannot be recounted, the love that cannot be explained, the love that is so deep, so profound. The love that leads to death, the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ for a people that is unworthy. This is what it took for him. The bride of Christ Jesus is the church. We are the bride of Jesus. Isaiah 55.4, sorry for jumping, Isaiah 55.4. The Bible says this: "For your Maker is your husband, the Lord Almighty is His name, the Creator of the whole heavens, the whole earth. It is your husband, the Holy One of Israel, is your Redeemer, is called the God of the whole earth." That's where He started. So, the question is: Is not really a, whether the church is worthy as a bride? I'm sure that many brides in here before getting married just went to the saloon, did their hair, cleaned themselves, did a little bit of makeup. Maybe there was no makeup for those that had makeup. Maybe they actually did a bit of sizing for the dress, making sure that they look good on the wedding day. And making sure that the husband will just say, yes, I do. Yeah? The preparation of the bride has been something that many movies have been made about. I don't like watching these movies because I think it's a waste of time. The reality is that Christ wants the church as a bride to be prepared. And what kind of preparation can we make when we know that actually, in our mind there is a lingering question: does that preparation matter? If really, he's already given his life for us, he's shed the blood for us, then the question is. Does that preparation matter? And I would say yes, it does. Why does it matter? It does matter because Christ said he is going to come back. He is going to come back. Yes, his blood is washing us. It is projecting that we will be in a situation where he can bring us to the Father. The blood has already been shed. However... On a day-to-day life, here on earth, in Christ's kingdom, in the church, we have a certain conduct to follow. We have to love one another because Christ loved the church. We have to mirror what Christ did because all what he did was for us. Now, I will tell you something. If I'm married or if I'm looking at my bride and somebody keeps on treating my bride wrongly, The likelihood is that they will treat me wrongly as well. And the likelihood also is that I will not tolerate them treating my bride the way they do. So the fact is this. If we are not looking after the bride of Christ, if we are not looking after the church, after the body of believers, if we are not having the right attitude, the right conduct, the right level of love, the right level of sacrifice, if we are passengers, then we are not treating the bride of Christ well. Who is the bride who does not love hearing from her husband? She's probably not going to remain a bride for too long. The reality is that if as a bride of Christ, we are not able to listen to the word of God, we are not able to listen to the voice of our maker, then we have no chance. Because it means that we remain a bride just by name and we are no longer fit for the reason for which Christ has given his blood for us. Christ has gone and is coming back. Aside from Christ, the church is nothing. It has nothing to offer. The deep and sacrificial love of Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, is the reason why the church has a place and an identity. Amen? And I think that as a body of Christ and as his bride, we have something to look forward to. The bridegroom's return is as simple as that. He will return. Christ promised it. He will return. Members of the local church, we have something to contribute to. Jesus needs us to show him to the world. And for that, we need to be transformed. So at what point does that transformation start if we come and entertain bickering in our midst? If we come and refuse to forgive one another? If we come... And refuse to look into the perfect love of liberty together. If we come and continue to haggle over things that are not worth it. If we come and do not keep our eyes on the price. What kind of bride do we want to be when Christ comes back? And that's why I call the reality check. Romans 8, 29 says that God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape our lives. To shape the lives of those who love him among the same line as that of his son. Colossians 1.15 from the message, said, we look at his son, we look at Jesus, and we see the original purpose from God in everything he created. And I want to quote Rick Warren here. In The Purpose Driven Life, he said that God doesn't want you to become a god. He doesn't want you to become perfect. That's not the plan. He said he wants you to become godly. Is a difference. He wants you to take his values, his attitude, and his character. God's ultimate goal for your life is not comfort, but character development. Amen? He wants you to grow spiritually. He wants you to become like Christ. That's the aim. So we know we are not perfect. But Ephesians 5, 2 is telling us, walk in love. Walk in love. Christ also has loved us and given himself to us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now, we can only come there because I know that Jesus has sanctified us with his blood. Amen? Ephesians 5 tells us that Christ also loved the church. 5 from 25 to 27. He said, Christ also loved the church, gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church. Can you say a glorious church? That's what God wants us to be, a glorious church, a church that exudes Christ, a church whose aroma is of Christ, a church that reflects the glory of God a church with vessels though broken which allow God to work through them for the purpose of God to be fulfilled that's what God wants not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish amen then at that point that's where we look at what kind of fragrance are we in as a church Second Corinthians tells us in uh, the, chapter 2, 14 to 16. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Through us, He diffused the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. Through Christ Jesus. God will use us so that His knowledge is diffused in all the world. In your family, at work, In everything that you do. But you cannot do this if you are unwilling to yield. If you are unwilling to be transformed. This is impossible. It cannot work. And the question today becomes, what kind of aroma can we then give? And the Bible tells us that there is an aroma that leads to death and there is an aroma that leads to life. So what aroma do we want to give? We need to be Christ-like. Amen? Ephesians 5 once tells us, Therefore, therefore, be imitators of Christ. My question is always to me, how can I imitate Christ best? Because I know that even if I, I try it on myself, I can't. I don't have it within me to imitate Christ. So it's got to be through the Holy Spirit showing me which areas of my character I need to change so that I can then imitate Christ. But if I don't get close enough to the Holy Spirit... How will I know? It's, it's a question of how effective am I as a follower of Jesus Christ? That's the question that we have today. It's not just how can I come to the church and, and clap and, and dance and, and praise God. It's how effective am I as a follower of Jesus Christ? How effective am I walking off that narrow path? Because the path is becoming narrower and narrower and narrower. The Bible says that I can do all things. I even can sing. But if I have no love, yeah. I'm nothing like clanging symbols. So expressing that love on the receiving end of offenses is a challenge. Many of us go through that. Actually, what we decide is to shut down the door. We don't want to relate to the brother or the sister because we have been offended. And guess why we don't know how to respond to that? Please let the Holy Spirit show you how to respond. Because in allowing the Holy Spirit, he will convict you on what is right, what is not right, and so that you can make it good. See, if you can win your brother, then great, your brother or your sister. So we need to go to that. We say be imitators of Christ. Now let's think about it. What did Christ do outside of giving his life to us? Christ was love. He loved, loved, loved. We keep on thinking about that. Do we understand? He loved without any condition. He loved without any time limit. He continued to love today. And maybe we feel like we are unworthy, but God is not saying you are unworthy. He's saying, I love you. I mean, read the songs of songs. It's not just there for you to learn when you go and chat somebody up. It is a song where... Christ shows how much he loves us. There are words that I cannot you know, say well enough because the words that are even in that book will never quantify how big the love of God is for us. Do we think that God only loves us when we are in trouble and that he calls us and brings us out of those troubles? He loves us when we are dirty, when we are in the mud, when we are messing up. He loves us. It doesn't mean we need to remain there. But his love doesn't change. Jesus was obedient to the point of death. We need to be obedient. We need to show an example in obedience. Jesus was prayerful. He was prayerful. And sometimes we even count even the minutes that we pray for during any given month. I've prayed 15 minutes this month, tick the box. I've prayed 10 minutes this Sunday, tick the box. Jesus was prayerful. He was a lifestyle. He was him. He was praying to the Father every single time. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. Do not stop. Continue to speak to me. I want to hear you. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear what you need of. I want you to pray for people. You are in a community and you see coronavirus and what you think is, I cannot shake the hand. Pray, 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 pray. Why would you want to stop praying? Prayer moves move mountains. We say it. We don't believe it. We sing it. We don't believe it. We have an attitude that does not speak of what we speak about pray jesus prayed jesus prayed for us he said lord that i may not lose any that was on his last day before the cross that i may not lose any that you will remain with them because he cares for you and for me because what you are going through today is not too difficult for him to to, to, to deal with because no matter what your outlook you have on life It is nothing for God. He can come through and change it today. But that, for your faith to stand, for your faith to stand. Jesus was compassionate. He was humble. He was kind. A man of faith. He had zeal and passion for the church, for his father's house, for the things of God. Do we have the same? Because that's what Pastor Phil is talking about. When we say it's a more excellent way, when on the vision Sunday, he has all this nice light and he says we need to become viral, that's what he's talking about. And please go home today and irrespective of how well you think the message has been delivered, think about the content. How did Jesus live? How close am I to living the way Jesus Christ lived? Am I giving sacrificially of my time? Am I ready to help? Am I involved? Am I lifting up people? Am I genuine in my relationship with my brothers and sisters in the church? Or am I looking down on people? How can the Holy Spirit of God help me to get to a new level of compassion? That will lead me to visit the elderly and say, you know what? Let me clean your house today. That will go. lead me to go and visit the sick people and say, do you need a meal? Or do you need me to stay with you there? Many people are lonely in this society and day and age. I'm not talking about when you are told to self-isolate. Many people are lonely. What do we do about it? Because Sunday is never reflective of how well our lives are. And I was telling my wife last time that, hmm, 43 now. I try to count my friends. Or maybe it's I recall it maybe every other month to tell him i'm late for church yeah um the point is this you live here today and you feel miserable because we were born to be in relationship before that god did not create us to be in isolation you have to look at your family alone and let's put this message aside now let's just think reason when you look at your family your individual family you may have brothers you may have siblings you may have children you may have parents and when there are tensions within the family how, how do you feel Do you feel that you want to run away? Or do you feel, I wish things could be better? Do you want it to be a regret on your deathbed that you haven't done anything that you could do when you were alive to resolve those issues? Because you can. The Bible says, as long as it is within you, if it is possible to live at peace with all men, do so. If they reject your peace offering, then God will resolve all things. But having said that, you still need to pray for people. You might be the only person, and I know it's the old cliche, but you might be the only person reflecting Christ to someone in your life. Why do you hold it? And I'm speaking to myself. Why are we holding back? It does not depend on the response of the other people. It depends on what the Word of God says. You are my brother, you are my sister. Take me by the hand. Together, we will walk until it comes. There is nothing that can defeat us when we stay together. I want to encourage you today, the church of God needs to mirror Christ. It's not an option. It's something that needs to be done. Because if we're actually not putting that mirror up today, say during the church service, God will put that mirror up anyway. The benchmark that we are putting out there, that is where we are comfortable, our comfort zone. Being a Christian is never meant to be comfortable. I'm not expecting you to be comfortable. Being a Christian is there to be challenged, but to be refined by the Holy Spirit and to be changed and transformed so that we can get to that higher calling, higher place, higher ground, which is led by Christ for the purpose of Christ and empowered by Christ. Philippians 2.15 says... That you may become blameless, harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among you, among whom you shine as light in the world. I say that you may become blameless. Please, let's think, how do I look today? How do I feel I look today? Am I blameless before God? Because Christ has empowered you to look blameless. So let's take it. Let's take it. Let's grab it. Let's meditate on it. And ask God to change us when we need to be changed. Amen. And by doing so, God will bless us. And I want to actually close on something which um, Paul said again. When he says, let nothing be done, again, Philippians 2, three, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. We are all naturally selfish. Naturally. But when we come to Christ, that selfishness has got to be resolved. We want to be the one receiving all the praise. That's the human nature. In Christ's nature, that fizzles out. So you might be the most gifted musician, the most gifted vocalist, the most clever in the room. We are in Cambridge. I'm mindful of that. The most articulate person, the most successful in your Work, the most accomplished sports person or engineer, that accounts for nothing. Strictly nothing. That's not a medal that is a currency for heaven. He says, Christ made himself of no reputation. Now think about the King of Kings, the King of Glory, making himself of no reputation, making himself trampled over. He could have called heaven, he could have called the army of heaven to come and deliver, he made himself of no reputation, rock bottom, just to die a shameful death. He wasn't pleasing, he wasn't like, oh yes, I'm, no, shameful death, being spat upon, being pierced, being beaten up, being insulted, mocked, for you, for me, for his bride, for the body of Christ, made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bound servant coming in the likeness of men. being found in that appearance he humbled himself became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross question is what death are you willing to die to be strengthening the body of Christ what death are you willing to die to be mirroring Christ in King's Church Cambridge to be mirroring the Christ of Jesus Christ in the United Kingdom whether we put you on a plane ticket for a mission, is irrelevant. is It starts here, now, with you. And as you do, I believe that God will bless you. Amen? As you do, I believe we will all become stronger together. We will all be united. The first time I became a Christian, I will share that and I'm closing. Can I have the band back, please? The first time I became a Christian, one of the things that I struggled with was party. I like party. I want to believe back in the day that I was lean then. My wife knows that. She didn't know anyway. I was lean. I like dancing. I don't drink alcohol. I just get into nightclubs. I want to show my moves. (laughs) And, um, yeah, God called me. (coughs) And God called me, and I'm still being stubborn. So last time I went on holiday, I gave my life to Christ in 1999. came to this country in 1999. That's the beauty of the United Kingdom. And went in 2000 back home. And I got there, and my friend, you know, bad, corrupt, but they're not bad friends. They're good friends. They want your best. They just want to enjoy with you, but they are bad friends. You know what I mean? (laughs) They are, say, good friends, but they are bad friends. They take me to a nightclub again. And I got there, and the Spirit of God is telling me, that's probably not the place to do. There was no place to dance. (coughs) No place. It was packed. There was smoke. And I was actually like, what am I doing here? And actually, I didn't do 30 minutes. We queued for about two hours to get in. But I didn't do 30 minutes in there. I got out. And that was the last time I put my, my feet in a nightclub. Then I had the um, Holier Than Dao brother who encouraged me one time because I used to listen to hip hop. I like hip hop, French hip hop, the dark hearts of hip hop. Not worship, you know. No, no, not that word. We are venting anger in hip hop. Um, and, um, and then my friend tells me. Why will you find yourself in a place where you dance to the tune of the enemy, and threatening the enemy, and drinking things that make you more vulnerable to the enemy? The penny dropped. Oh, Lord, that will not happen anymore. And it didn't happen since two, 20, 2000. So that's, that's 20 years. And I came 21 years ago. But the thing is this. I got to the church then, and I found the Christian boring. Oh, the, their parties like music of the 80s, and I don't understand it. Um, you know, it's always, why do you call brother, sister? Come on, I can call you by your name, you know, sister, so and so. That's a bit of my heading. But then I was like miserable for a couple of weeks, and my friend picked it up and said, what happened? And I said, well, I'm losing friends. I'm losing friends. They're turning their backs. Why? Because I no longer buy into the same currency. Why? Because I turned down the going nightclubbing and, you know, all the stuff I used to do. It's not I won't say that I was in a bad family, No. But just, like, Christ had got hold of me. Why would I go and give my body to to the enemy again? You know, it doesn't make sense. And uh, my friend told me something, which up to today, and I told my wife yesterday, marked me to today. And she told me, are we not your friends? And she made me realize that the church is what it's meant to be. A body of believers closely knit together in friendship but with the same purpose to adore Jesus without limit, without boundaries. Because he's coming back for us. I want to be able to look at Ruth and say, you are my friend. It's not because she does nice soup. I want to be able to look at uh, patients. Oh, people will say, why are we the women? Okay, Danga. <laughs> Lee. Okay, that's fine. Okay, bro. <laughs> okay, I want to be able to say that's the case. But the reality is this. I come to King's Church, Cambridge, and unless God moves me on, I will want myself to be involved in your life as a friend. Forget about any title. It doesn't matter. Because I want also sometimes to be open. I want a, a shoulder to lean on. I want somebody to give me a word, to lift me up. It's okay. It is well. That race, you are victorious. You are you a are winner. I want discussion at the door that tells me your sickness is not your name. I want people who give me a booklet to go and read to edify me. I want people who challenge me. You're not looking after your wife well. Well, she hasn't told me so. I want people who to tell me, your son does not look tidy today. Why? Where is his lunch pack? Where is his lunch? You should get it from home. I want people to help me become a better version of myself for the things of God in preparation of when God comes and calls me home so that's why we need to be it's not games it's no mask i will send you my slides if you want we we'll ask pastor phil to have it in the background Picasso number two the point is let's be together people need prayer let's pray with them you know god honors that he blessed with unity with blessings with purpose he does whatever he has to do he will do great things in this church we have a great pastor we have a great leadership team but above all that we have great people I don't want to name names, but everybody here is in the eyes of God. And it's not for me to say, well done. It's for God to do that. But we appreciate you all. Whatever you do is not unaccounted for. But don't run the race half-heartedly. Don't let bitterness and forgiveness, don't let uh, the, 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 the pressures of life, uh, the, the, the offense cause, give that way for people to cause offense. And always look to forgive. Always look to be challenged. Let's help each other to become who Christ wants us to be. Then we will be a church that mirrors Christ. We will be a church that God can then deposit more into. And God will bless us. Amen. Let's stand up. 2 Corinthians 3.18 It says, We all with unveiled face beholding And reflecting like a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image. And Father, we want to pray, Lord, today to thank you for the word. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that as a church, you've already purchased us with your blood. And thank you for reminding us that indeed it was a sacrificial death. All because of your love for your church. You are the bridegroom of the church, the body of Christ. We are together as a body of believers because of your redemptive work on the cross of Calvary. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to stand today and to have opportunities, Lord, to align ourselves even a bit more with your will. To align ourselves with your will daily. Lord, to rethink the way we conduct ourselves in the body of Christ. But also to make sure that we allow your Holy Spirit to transform us day by day. Lord, help us, Lord, towards what you have for us. Help us not to miss out on anything that you have for this church, but anything that you have for the body of Christ. Lord, we are broken vessel, but you are the God who is holy, who is mighty, who is powerful, who is strong and mighty to save and to deliver. Therefore, we pray right now, Lord, that you will touch our life afresh. That, Lord, you will open our eyes afresh. That, Lord, you will move us to understand how deep and wide your love for your church is. And that, Lord, as coming together in King's Church here in Cambridge, we pray, Lord, that we will dwell together in unity. We pray that we'll continue to seek you together. We'll continue to lift each other up and we'll continue to strengthen each other in the name of Jesus. Father, for those of us who are yet to know you, who are yet to truly grasp what you did for us, my God, we pray that, Lord, you will have your way, that you will reach out to them and that you will reveal Christ unto them. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to reflect Jesus and living with Christ even in the current days, Lord. Without you, we are nothing, Lord. I thank you. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church,